Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Sixty Feet Six Inches LSU Podcast. As always, thank you for joining me. So, in this episode, I will briefly, very briefly, recap the victory over Grambling State. But stay tuned as I am joined by two special guests to help me break down the Tennessee Weekend Series. I will also give you my three keys to the weekend for LSU, who makes the get right, stay right list, and then finally, my series prediction. As always, you can find the 60 Feet 6 Inches LSU podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, and all the other major audio platforms. If you are viewing this on the YouTube channel, please make sure to subscribe, interact with me, hit me up with some comments as well. And then finally on Twitter, the account is at 60FT6IMLSUPod. Make sure to subscribe to that account and hit that notifications bell as well. If you missed the last episode, I reviewed the Arkansas series as the Tigers took two out of three. And as always, you can find that link on the Twitter account in both podcast and YouTube versions. So tonight, LSU beats Scrambling State by a score of 17-5 to to move to 22-3 and on the year. Beloso and Jones both hit home runs on the night as the Tigers pound out 16 hits. In complete honesty, I didn't watch a lick of this game as I was getting ready for the podcast and doing the interview, which you will get to later. But as you would expect, it gets a swag team. LSU takes care of business. Christian Little got the start tonight, which was good to see. Hopefully he was able to work out some kinks, and it looked like he did as he went two innings pitched, one hit at four Ks. Blake Money comes in. He gives up a three-run home run. Then he's followed up by Dutton's, Collins, and Buckham to finish it off as LSU 10-run rules. Grambling State. Moving on to the Tennessee series. As I told y'all, it was going to be very brief, but that's what you would expect. I don't think you're going to gain a lot from these games. Probably not going to learn a ton, but it looks like LSU got in a ton of reserves and subs and guys who haven't had a chance to play a lot lately. But when you look at the, the weekend series, obviously it's massive. Everybody has this thing circled. LSU comes into the series ranked number one in the country, while Tennessee is ranked number 11. Both teams got a victory on Tuesday night with Tennessee beating UNC Asheville. When you look at some of the team stats, LSU is first or second in almost every major hitting category in the SEC, while Tennessee is the exact opposite when you look at the pitching stats. They are first or second in almost every major pitching category. In terms of your gold-plated money stat for the weekend, LSU and Tennessee, they are the top two teams in the SEC when it comes to getting the leadoff hitter on base in any inning. LSU is number one. Tennessee is number two. So in terms of being number one, LSU gets the leadoff hitter on, that's in any inning, at a rate of 476. So 47.6% of the time, LSU gets the leadoff hitter on. And then Tennessee, 46.8% of the time. So it's going to be up to those pitching staffs to really decrease that number. As you can see, a lot of times early in games, Tennessee's giving up runs. LSU did the same against Arkansas as they fell behind in all three games. And on the flip side, both teams score runs early in the game. So it's going to be very interesting to see who can jump out in front during the Thursday, Friday, Saturday series. Now, let's get into that interview. Hope you all enjoy it as much as I did. All right, guys, we have made it. We are one step closer to the SEC series that everybody circled when the schedule came out. It is time. Tennessee versus LSU at the box this weekend. Joining me to help me break down this absolutely monster college baseball series are two very special guests from the In Off the Bench podcast. They have had me on theirs before, so it's a pleasure to welcome them into the 60 Feet 6 Inches LSU pod. And they both have two very different rooting interests this weekend. Jim and Randy. So I'm going to be polite. 
I'm going to introduce the quote unquote visitor first with uh, Randy's going to be giving us insight from the Tennessee side. What's up, my man? How are you doing? Thanks for joining me, buddy. Oh, absolutely, Chris. Appreciate you, man. Thanks for having us, man. I always listening to your podcast. Always love hearing the in-depth from a player's perspective, man. It's, it's good stuff. So if you haven't listened yet, listen every week. Reviews, previews, all that. No, I appreciate that, brother. And then obviously next up is a guy I had the pleasure to meet this weekend, finally, after going back and forth with him on Twitter and texting him and whatnot. And I'll tell you what, he was a gracious host, and he keeps some very VIP-type uh, people around him in his crowd. So I had a blast with Jim this weekend at LSU. He made me for right at home with all of his friends, a true LSU fan through and through Jim. What's up, buddy? How are you doing? My man. Thanks for joining us, uh, man. I'm doing absolutely great. And you know, Chris, my, my dad is from Louisiana and he always taught me growing up. It's not what you know, but who, you know, my brother. So I just, I keep rolling with it. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. And I, I'm looking forward to seeing both y'all this weekend, but look, before we get into it and we talk about Tennessee and LSU, I want everybody to tell y'all, I want y'all to tell everybody about y'all's podcast and where they can find all of your content before we get going here. Uh, so yeah, and off the bench podcast, it can be found on any streaming platform. It can be found on YouTube. Uh, the basis of our show, uh, unlike Chris, we don't, we don't have that in-depth player. Now we, we never stepped on that field, so we can't give the in-depth breakdown like that. But what we can do is we can interview the athletes who are on the field and let them share their story from growing up to what they're doing right now. Talk about their team. Give us some insight about what's going on. Give us a pulse. Talk about the upcoming weekend. Talk about the previous weekend, whatever it is. But we promote their brand. Give them the shine that they're due. And, um, you know, proudly, uh, I'll say this, because uh, this has been my favorite part. We're now at 48 NIL deals. So we just really try to take care of these athletes and give them they're doing it specifically with college baseball, man. It's, you know, they that hashtag grow the game. College baseball is, does not get the respect it's deserved. And so that's why it's been our main focus. Yeah, no doubt. And I will, I will tell everybody this. I will tag them and all the stuff on the Twitter account for the, for this podcast, obviously, and on YouTube. But if you have not gotten a chance, and I'm going to repeat this at the very end, go follow these guys. They know the game. And more importantly, if you want to peek behind the curtain to see what these players are really like, to see how they got where they are, what their story is, Jim and Randy, and plus they have another guy that joins our podcast too with DB, these guys let their guard down and they just sit there and have a conversation with them. And it's not just baseball too, right? It's different college athletes with soccer or gymnasts, whoever it is. And it's really fun to see these guys just interact like you're just sitting across the kitchen table from them. So Go check out the In Off the Bench podcast. It'll be tagged everywhere, and I'll repeat that message again. But these guys do a great job of letting these college athletes get their stories out. All right, Tennessee versus LSU. As a reminder, this series starts on Thursday, so Thursday through Saturday. Tennessee's coming into the series at the time of this recording with an overall record of 19-6. and They're 3-3 and in the SEC after having just swept Texas A&M, while LSU at the time of this recording is 21-3 and 4-2 and in the SEC. All right, so Randy – just give every obviously you know the target audience here, but just give everybody a quick synopsis of the Tennessee team and the season up to this point. Yeah, I think that a lot of Tennessee fans, and you know, it'll be said the jokes will be made that there's a lot of new Tennessee fans, and I think that to be let's be honest about it, Chris, that's true for every fan base that has down years. You lose some fans, and then you gain them back. But for every Tennessee fan that came into the season expecting a repeat of last year's action, it's just not realistic in the college baseball world that team was special something that you don't get to see every year it's generational that team is a foundation but what this team has done so far 
Um, they're you know, like you just said, nineteen and six, one again tonight against UNC Asheville. So for anybody, I think that you're looking at it from a this hasn't been as good as we thought they would be because maybe they're not scoring as many runs, but there's so much good to look at. And if you just look back four or five years to when Tony Vitello got there before he got there, if we were going to say we're twenty and six going into the LSU series, five hundred in the SEC, there's not a Tennessee fan, a real Tennessee baseball fan that would not take that just three or four years ago. Yeah. And Jim, from your perspective, you know, obviously we look at it through a different lens and uh, we all of us look at SEC baseball as a whole, but we focus on specific teams. Do you think, Jim, heading into this season, you know, if I told you Tennessee heading into LSU weekend was three and three, do you would you think that would be overachieving, underachieving from them point? How do you view their their season through your lens? Um, I would have told you significantly underachieving, but that's because I was extremely high on them. As a matter of fact, because I did not want that number one ranking so bad, um, <laughs> I put Tennessee at number one and LSU at number two, even though Randy uh, begged me to do it the opposite way. But um, I have high beliefs in them because me and Randy both value pitching over hitting. And what still is true to date is Tennessee's pitching staff is the best in the country, even with Tennessee's record. But if you would have told me that they had the amount of losses they had at this point, I wouldn't have believed you, especially with getting swept by Missouri. Yeah, I think that was pretty. That was a big shock to me the first SEC weekend. So let, let's get into that, Randy, in terms of um, you mentioned their lineup and what they did last year. And, and I remember doing the Tennessee preview because I did LSU and Tennessee together, save the best for last, right? The teams yeah. I had winning the West and the East respectively. And I followed Tennessee last year, but not – to the extent that I probably do now, just seeing how they do. They had a monster year last year. But one thing I was looking at, so when you look at their lineup compared to last year, let me just throw some numbers out to you. And this was shocking to me. They lost 77% of their home run production last year, 79% of their RBI production. They hit 158 team home runs. Now, I didn't, there was no way I thought that they could replace that production. But where do you stand in terms of their lineup as of right now, right, as of right now heading into the LSU series? I think that what they've done over the last couple of weeks, the Missouri series was obviously sobering for everybody. And you know as a former player that when you're going in, you're playing in you know 20 to 30 degree weather and the wind's blowing. There's no excuse. Missouri had to play in the same thing. But as far as the players go, what I think about the lineup is that Tony V's kind of been figuring things out. After the Missouri series, they came to that first midweek game. He, took, he pulled every starter not named Blake Burke and had those guys playing in like basically a, a, a pinch runner or pinch hit late in the game. He was sending a message, in my opinion, and I think they needed a wake-up call because what Tony Vitello came on our podcast and said was that each team, each year, has to find their own identity, and my next team will not be able to carry the weight of what the last team did, and the right. same for the year before that. So for me, what he's been able to do in finding some production from some guys that maybe we didn't hear of, uh, like Kavaris has come in, uh, he you know pulled a Hamey the other day, but having Blake Burke is great. Having Christian Moore is great. Having Christian Scott, those guys is great. But you're right. You don't just replace Drew Gilbert. You don't just replace Jordan Beck. But I think that over the course of time, this team is not going to have the, maybe the pop and the flair. But I think the timely hitting has been there the last couple of weeks. In the A&M series, they were able to put up seven, eight, nine runs a game. And I think that's what he was looking for. And he mentioned it. He said, look, when you get punched in the mouth in the SEC, you got to come back the next week and see if you have grit and resolve. And I saw that out of my team. So V was happy with the way it was. I was happy with the way they looked. So I think they're fine. I think they're fine. Yeah, I watched some cut-ups of that A&M series. I watched some Missouri cut-ups, and I watched A&M. And uh, a little worrisome if you're an LSU fan because you're like, man, they were um, really rolling. And A&M looked – y'all made A&M look pretty bad after they looked good in spurts against LSU. So, Jim, here are some Tennessee stats right now. 
They're hitting 297 as a team, ninth in the SEC. LSU's first in batting average. LSU's second in slugging, first in on base. By comparison, Tennessee's fifth in slugging, eighth in on base. It just doesn't seem like they're scoring a lot of runs. But, Jim, do you, you know, when you think about that lineup and maybe some specific, specific guys that uh, Randy mentioned, what do you think about the Vols coming in in terms of a lineup perspective? You know, anybody stand out or really worry you when you think about well, the pitching staff going up against those guys? Well, it'd only be right if I started with uh, one of our guests. And I'm not going to start with the best name on the list yet. I'm going to start with a guy who got hot this past week, and that's Zane Denton, a.k.a. Zeus, that came from Bama. Yeah. Uh, we had him on, actually, as a Bama guest first, then Tennessee. Um, he This was the guy who was a projected uh, first-team All-SEC. So um, you don't get that cal- caliber projection unless they expect big things. Um, he is now starting to turn it on for Tennessee. So he's a guy that – I would be worrisome about because we know of his potential. Um, you know, obviously you have a couple other big transfers in Maui Ahuna and obviously Merritt, mm-hmm. but the guy who scares everybody rightfully so, um, Blake Burke, the lefty, swings like Ken Griffey. It's, it's mama's baby. It's my, yeah, and, and don't mess with his mom on Twitter. Um, <laughs> she'll, come, she'll come for you, but uh, – no, I'm looking, and a lot of these guys that I just mentioned right up top, you know, like I said, Maui and, and Zane um, and Griffin, they're starting to come around, and that's the guys that Randy and me, when we did our initial breakdown, it was those transfer guys that we actually expected outside of Blake to to do big production, and they're starting to come in, and maybe they just had to get acclimated, get a feel. Um, as Randy said, you know, you, each team builds their identity. It, t- it takes them, It took a minute for that chemistry and everything to gel even with the pitching staff that you had, even with the few guys that are coming back. And even tonight, um, you know, a guy like Christian Scott, who we expected to be a starter um, who has struggled, but uh, he hit one out tonight. And then he had a diving catch, which is something we definitely expect from him. He's a guy who both ways, um, if he can if he can start swinging it, he brings something to the table on both sides of the ball. Yeah, Randy, anybody you wanted to add to the name of that list? I don't know if all the LSU fans listening to this podcast are intimately familiar with that lineup, and Jen dropped a tough a, a bunch of names. But um, anybody else that we should be out look on the lookout for, maybe guys that are getting hot? I, I know where he's going right now, Jared Dickey. Go ahead and do Jen, it. So Jared Dickey's a guy that he's just that dude, right? He's a guy that uh, – he's a baseball guy, right? He's a guy that you can put in any position. Okay. He's a guy that's going to hit you in some big moments, and he's never scared of the moment. But a guy that really stands out to me that his name doesn't get called enough is uh, Christian Moore. The guy's yeah. hitting 360 on the season. He's a plus defender. He's, he's got extremely good range. Um, plays second base for the Vols. Sat out tonight. But he's a guy that all throughout, even the struggles against Missouri, he was still out there hitting the ball. So, you know, you don't hit 360 in the SEC or on the season – this deep in without being a really good hitter. He's got some pop, but more so he's a smart base runner. The one thing about Tennessee that's been really puzzling and concerning is the base running, but I don't have those worries for Christian Moore, and I think that's a name that not a lot of people hear. Well, I will back you 100% on that because I watched all the cut-ups of the A&M series this weekend, and I felt like every time there was a rally, Christian Moore was intimately involved. It felt like that guy was on base literally – Every time they did a highlight or every inning. So, LSU fans, you can expect Maui Ahuna, who is the Kansas transfer, starts at shortstop for Tennessee. He's going to lead off a Christian Moore, the guy we're talking about, plays second base. So, he's the double play combination with Ahuna, and he hits second. And then you have uh, Blake Burke, I think, the big guy, who is very – he's struggling. He's a big dude, and it looks like every ball he hits, even though if it's just a pop-up, it feels like. (laughs) Because you've seen highlights of him hitting multiple bombs, it feels like it's going to go out. But 
I totally agree with you 100% about trying to keep Christian Moore at bay this weekend. All right, let's move on to that pitching staff. Just like y'all, I had them as the number one pitching staff in the SEC coming into the uh, you know to the season and now into conference play. And there was no reason why you wouldn't rank them the number one pitching staff with all three of those starters returning. But uh, Randy, just give the audience a little snapshot if they're not intimately familiar with Dollander, Burns, and Beam. Just kind of what these guys bring to the table and how they are a little bit different. And then Jim, I'll have you follow up on that. Yeah, starting out obviously with the Friday night or Thursday night guy in this series. This is the must-see TV matchup we've all been waiting for: Chase Dolander versus Paul Skeen. So for Chase Dolander, the transfer in from Georgia uh, Southern on the season, his numbers don't look as great as they did last year. He's four and two, three point nine three ERA, but fifty three Ks, eight walks, and a two point two eight batting average against. The problem, I think, for Doe this year has been that those first innings. So obviously something to watch out for against LSU is they want to get hot in the top of that lineup. But if he can manage those when it comes to the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth innings, he's still been one of the best pitchers in baseball. And you know just by watching him as a former pitcher, the guy's got the juice, he's got the stuff, and he can shut down any lineup. I don't care how good it is if his stuff is on. Uh, Chase Burns, I want to go to him for a second. 2-1, and 4.15 ERA. So the ERA is a lot higher than it was last year way higher than he wants it to be, but this guy's got 59 Ks. If I'm not mistaken, that's the same amount Paul Skeens has. But nine walks, 208 batting average against. So he hasn't been as dominant. He's given up more walks. He's given up more earned runs than I think he wants to. But just with the 59 Ks, you know he's still got the swing and miss stuff. We've talked to catchers who've lost sleep at night to catch this dude. And then you got QB1, man. To have a Sunday guy come in like Drew Bean coming in wearing the Sunday creams, three and one, two point. 5-4 ERA, only 27 Ks, 8 walks, 243 batting average against. And I say all that to say this. QB1 is even last year when they were going through the SEC like they were. He's never the flashy guy, but he's the workhorse. He's the guy that's going to go out there and get you a solid – like he didn't have his greatest stuff Sunday against AM, but he was solid. He missed over the plate a couple times. He did not let that deter him, came back, went right after those guys again. So for me, it's a mindset thing with this staff. And to have guys like Burns and Beam that are, by the way, these guys are sophomores. Yeah. So the, the sky's the limit here with these guys. So I think that's as good of a starting rotation as there is in the country. And they got a little bit of ways to go. But I don't think that this early in the season, I'm ready to say, you know, they don't have it this year. I think that it's just early still. Yeah. Jim, well, I think I want to correct uh, Randy on that real quick. Now, I oh, believe yeah. I believe Skeen's got seventy one Ks to thirty six innings pitched. So uh, seventy that's not that can't be real. That's video game numbers. Yeah, exactly. And you're gonna find out aggressive. Thursday night. So, uh, Jim, what's your now? Look, I got a ton of respect for these guys, and and watching highlights, you know, Dolander, um, all these guys throw mid to upper nineties, and uh, Burns, I really didn't see a lot of him last year. He reminds me a lot of Garrett Edwards in the sense to where he's got a Agreed. really really hard slider that he throws a lot. If you want to um, see a great Burns clip, Chris, I put it up. Um, Jack Brannigan hits a three-run home run in the Super Regionals to Notre uh, <laughs> Dame off Burns. It's, it's a pretty great clip. No, I just did yeah. that throw shade at Randy. Burns, an uh, absolutely monster. Yeah, so, so Jim, obviously you've seen LSU a ton. You pay just as close attention to anybody else. So when you look at the three starters, LSU's going to roll out there, and, and LSU fans can relax because all three of Tennessee starters are right-handed. You know, wink, wink there. We don't have to hear the left-handed pitcher debate again. But, Jim, when you look at the staffs with uh, Skeens, Floyd, your guy Floyd and Hurd, and you look at Dollander, Beam, and uh, Burns, you know, how do you think those staffs kind of compare, how they contrast? You know, obviously we know it's going to be great matchups. Um, 
You know, so let's work in reverse order. I definitely think to Randy's point, I think Beam has the advantage on Hurd. Drew Beam Beam is a guy who would be definitely probably a Friday night starter for 99% of teams. So I definitely think they have that in their favor. But, you know, Thatcher has has proven himself. Um, He obviously earned that spot. I have belief in him. Um, But I, I would give them the nod on that one Saturday. So yeah, Chase Burns has the more electric stuff. I would give I would give him the nod as well. But I'm going to tell you there was a reason why Ty Flo is my guy, and he showed it to us this past weekend, Chris. Um, the guy is a veteran in this league, and the way that he you know stuck in there through that first inning and then got better, as you said, and we talked about as the game went on. Um, he's a guy that is very dependable and does not get shaken by the moment. He will not get shaken if. Um, Tennessee comes out and maybe gives him a pop in the mouth. So I, I really like I like him. And as Randy has said, Burns has came out and struggled, uh, you know, a little bit in the gate. So if if that does happen, you know, it could, it could go both ways. But coming to Friday, I just, man, okay. So coming in this season, I would have never said Skeens, even with all the hype, would be better than Chase or even put them on the, the same level. Yeah. Uh, now I saw – Skeens four times in scrimmages um, coming into the season. I've now seen him three times live in game. Um, and I'll tell you something. There's got to be something to what Jay said about the the level of the nutrition program, the weightlifting program, everything, because he is getting better and stronger, and it's scary. And for a Tennessee lineup that is trying to continue to improve, he is just not the guy that I think they're going to do it against. Um I think most people, as much as they want to see offense, I think they're not going to get much of it in that Thursday game. I think um, Doe loves this moment, and Randy talked about it um, on our show. Um, He's going to get hyped for this. This is not going to intimidate him in a little bit, and so I expect a showdown. What I will say is, and I I hate to give this nod, um, if any of these starters do buckle, I do believe Tennessee has the advantage when you talk about bullpen. Um, you know, I don't – I can rattle off the names, but I, I know you want to let Randy do the Tennessee thing. But um, they, they have some dudes. That's a, that's a perfect segue, and you're exactly right, Randy. Let's talk about that bullpen because one thing we talked about versus Arkansas is that we knew Hagen Smith was going to be in that flex role. But once they get – once he was used up on Friday – They had like one or two dudes, and that was really about it. But when I looked at what Tennessee lost and then looking at their stats, they have like seven dudes in that pen, and all their stats are sick. Like it's like below two and a half ERAs, and they just run out like guys after guys after guys. So just give some of these LSU fans a primer on that pen because it doesn't seem like there's a let up, and they got electric stuff as well. Yeah, I mean, just some names just that, that pitched in the game tonight. You got Xander Zecrest. I think that if anybody's been paying attention, he's kind of been the midweek starter. That's a guy that could be, Jim said this before, he could be a Friday night starter on a lot of, even SEC's teams, probably not named Tennessee and LSU. Then you got Jacob Bimby. He's a big left-hander. You got Aaron Combs. He's also a big guy. A.J. Russell. Kirby Cannell has been there for 117 years now. Yeah. He's got the coolest <laughs> mustache in all of baseball. And it looks like every time he comes in the game, he just put a Bud, a bud Heavy down and had to put his cigarette out in the ashtray. And I think he got – and, and let, me, let me cut you right there, Chris. I think he's the guy because we talk about he's the lefty. lefty thing. Yeah, I think he's the guy that if it's a tight down the stretch, I think he's the guy that they go to automatically. 
Well, and not to mention, too, a name that a lot of people probably are familiar with is Ben Joyce. You know, the, he was the volunteer fireman, right. hit 105 miles an hour. His twin brother, Zach Joyce, uh, he's a right-hander, but he's playing. He doesn't get quite 105, but he can definitely touch 100. He's going to be coming in. Hollis Fanning. So you're talking about the bullpen numbers, and I think don't, the last couple of games. Don't forget the two big – I can't believe no Halverson or – No, Halverson or – yeah, those two I'm, guys. I'm, I'm getting to those guys, but so what <laughs> – what Halverson's going to be is he's the first line of defense. Like, if something happens to, to either end of those guys, Halverson's the one that's coming in. He's a righty, but he's going to come. You're talking about But I think he's of, like the Hagen Smith, like you said, even though he's not, he's not he a is. lefty. He's going to be that guy. But what Jim talked about this, about Doe not being scared of the moment, Halverson's a veteran dude. That guy's not going to be scared of the moment. He's been in the SEC, mm-hmm. uh, spent last season out you know, with injury, come back this season, and people forgot who that guy was, and he said it on our podcast. I'm, I'm going to remind him, and he has. He he's was been actually un- he's been unhittable. Chris, yeah. since you said you didn't get to watch last year, he was supposed to be the Sunday starter. Drew Beam, that was not his Drew. spot. And since he came into the season hurt, Drew walks in and then just says, "Okay, cool, my ball." I'll be that guy, yeah, no doubt. No, I mean, it's uh, their pen is um, it's going to be interesting, you know, just because there's no let up in that pen. And I know Vitello's not he like you said. We we were talking, and I looked. He ran like six dudes out there against A and M on Sunday, like just because, right? Like here, a third right. of an inning for you, a third of an inning for you. Just did the just same to thing the, tonight. Yeah. So, well, um, and Drake Anderson, their pitching coach, is is no, maybe the, the, one of the best, if not the best out there. So, I mean, that helps that you have a guy managing them uh, extremely well. Yeah. Okay. So, all right, we're going to start to wrap this sucker up here. All right, so, Randy, then I'm going to come to you, Jim. So, Randy, from a Tennessee perspective, when you look at LSU, what, what concerns you about this weekend if things go a little sideways for the Vols? I think the obvious answer is the the offense, the lineup. I said this, I say it on Twitter all the time. It's one through nine. There's so much pop, and then even after nine, if you plug other guys in, there's still pop. And it's not just home runs because they're not. You know, I think South Carolina leads the SEC in home runs. Yeah. Then Florida, even Tennessee's ahead of LSU. So it's not really the home runs that really concern me. It's that they just mash the ball. They have a way of exploding. It can be nothing, nothing for five innings, and all of a sudden they got an eight spot up and before you even know what's going on. And when you have the best player in baseball, and I'm not even going to say college baseball because I'm not convinced he's not the best player that plays baseball right now in Dylan Cruz. Um, and then you got guys like Tommy Tanks and you know the Creole Bambino, Trey Morgan. I'm a, There's no bigger fan, unless you're an LSU fan, of Trey Morgan than me. I will ride till I die with that dude. I wish he wore orange. But anyway. Um, this the whole thing, man. The lineup and then Paul Skeens. I'll be honest with you, and this is no disrespect to LSU's pitching staff. Outside of Paul Skeens, I don't have a whole lot of fear that the pitching is going to be what shuts that lineup down. What I fear is that the lineup is so good that you could get through two or three guys, and then all of a sudden, eight, nine hole, they're hitting doubles and triples off the wall. That's what worries me. I got you, Jim. From the LSU perspective, what worries you about uh, Tennessee this weekend? What are some of your concerns? Nothing. No. Um, <laughs> I, I, honestly, before before I do, I gotta talk about what he talked about. Being that we've been in, uh, been at these games and I've seen it, like I, I watched it starting with Sanford, who wasn't obviously isn't some amazing team, but they actually I texted Randy in real time and I said, dude, they are going to walk Cruz with the bases loaded and get to Tommy White. He goes, I would too, and then Tommy hits a grand slam. Well, fast forward to Arkansas, that scenario happened again. And Tommy White hit a grand slam again. And, I mean, it's just – I mean, you can't duck Trey Morgan. You can't duck Dylan Cruz. You can't duck Tommy White. And now I think Cade Beloso, you know, I'm playing him. I, I was one of those who was not a bit a big advocate of putting Trey Morgan in left field, but I'm all about having Jared Jones and Cade Beloso in the lineup. So, 
you know, and uh, I don't know if you're even aware, Chris, it really wasn't put out there. Um, I got to talk to him in the parking lot post game. So I'm breaking news for people who didn't know um, that Paxi Kling is actually dealing with the back issue. Yeah, yeah, that they, came out. They, they weren't, yeah, they weren't really, but that series, right. people thought he was just actually sitting because he was slumping. He was yeah. actually sitting because he was hurt. Right, right, right. But uh, but what fears? But if if you want to know, um, is it's it's probably it's probably the bullpen outside of Garrett Edwards. Garrett Edwards has been absolutely electric. Um, as far as you know, Kristen Little's last two. Um, outings have been shaky. Cooper, I believe the last two, I know the last one for sure. Um, yeah, yeah have been shaky. And so it, it scares me that our bullpen hasn't been stable coming into this series. So if they do knock out one of our starters, um, so yeah, um, let Garrett Edwards fly, pitch all three nights. Let's go. Chris, yeah, I got a nah. question for you. Yeah, man. <clears throat> What's to say? We haven't seen this yet. What is going to happen if Paul Skeens gets hit around? Because every pitcher gets hit around. It's going to happen. I was telling my son that this past weekend. So it's, um, you know, coming into SEC play, I was wondering how dominant he was going to be versus obviously more talented hitters. The lineups are deeper. And then I saw him do that against A&M. And then I was really interested to see how he did against Arkansas. And then this is another test for him. And then when they go to South Carolina, it's another test, right? It's, it just doesn't let up. He's going to get hit at some point. Like, he's going to give up a four spot in three innings. You know, something's going to happen. Burke's going to get the head out. He's going to catch one and send one on to, to, you know, over the right field wall or an error, a double, a walk. Something's going to happen. And then, uh, honestly, they'll probably let him ride for as long as they can. If they and, don't, is is it is it Shores or Herring? Who you got coming in well, if, it has, yeah. if, it, if it's early? If, I'm thinking it's Shores, right? It's got to be this guy who's been – I would, I would imagine start. it's Shores, yeah, and they'll save Edwards for Saturday, Sunday. I, I think you're exactly right, Jim. That's a great name to pull out the hat right there. It's probably going to be Chase Shores, you know. Um, yeah, I think Another you're exactly right. Another guy who's right. touching 100, by the way. So yeah. What you won't see, we didn't mention this. You know, we kind of talked about this on our show. Arkansas went all in to win that Friday night game. You won't see Tennessee do that. You won't see them go all in to win a game because they don't have to do that with their pin. I think Arkansas has a lot of talented arms. They have a lot of injuries. Tennessee's yeah. bullpen is strong. They're deep. So if they if their starters do get in trouble, Tony V will have no problem well, going to the pin. And let me say that in regards to one game. Another thing, if you look at where Tennessee has put themselves, obviously with the Missouri series, and if you look at their upcoming schedule, Tennessee really needs this series. So they, do. they don't want one game. They want two. They obviously want all three, but they're not looking to come down here with anything less than two. So they definitely ain't going for one. Yeah, they got – I'm looking at their schedule. They got Florida, Arkansas, and Vandy coming up. So it's – um. <laughs> Are those teams good? Yeah, they're, they're not bad. They're not, I'm not bad. Con, but, I'm not convinced about Vanderbilt. I don't care what you yeah. say. They're all top ten teams. That's yeah. all I can tell you. No, but they're my, really good. Another concern, too, is if if all three of those guys, especially the first two with um, Dollander and Burns, if um, if they shut out LSU for six or seven, and I'm not going to ruin what I'm going to say on my podcast coming up after this interview, but that's a concern of mine. Whereas if they shut up, throw up a bunch of zeros and they get rolling, and they just lean into that environment because they've been there. They're dudes. They're going to get fired up too. If they just lean into that environment and they catch a little momentum, and all of a sudden it's in the seventh and LSU's down two or three nothing, could be an issue. I mean, that that's kind of one of my biggest concerns is can you get it going enough against these guys? But how many games this, this year have you seen where LSU has – struggled for an X amount of innings and the next thing you know they put up a double digits no you're you're right you're right and this is I'm just saying like if, if you're if I'm being honest that's a concern like it hasn't necessarily happened but I mean when you're facing guys like this yeah that you know it's, it's a just different animal 
that's what I'm saying. So I think you got to put some respect on them. All right, real quick, let's get let's get a prediction here. All right, Randy, you got to go first here. Prediction on the series. I'm going to say that Tennessee takes two. I think they're going to – Thursday night they're going to win because I'm going to be there. And I'm going to say that LSU comes back and wins game. They're going to win Friday. It's going to go all in. It's going to be a bullpen game. And I like Tennessee's chances when it comes to a bullpen game taking the series. All right. Jim, what's your thoughts? What you got? I'm sticking with what I told you last night, Randy. I'm coming hard. Um, all I've heard about is how y'all have won the last six games. None of those were at Alex Box. And so give me the sweep. There we go. That's what I like to see. Listen, guys, I cannot thank y'all enough for your time. Um, both of you for jumping on and joining me. I can't wait to see both y'all at the box this weekend. Everybody, please look, go follow Jim on Twitter. Go follow Randy on Twitter. Go definitely check out the in off the bench podcast. Everything will be tagged on my Twitter account, linking this uh, to the YouTube channel and podcast form as well. I can't thank these guys enough. And with that being said, y'all stay tuned for my prediction as well. Okay, I hope y'all had a, a really good time listening to Randy from the Tennessee perspective and obviously Jim from the LSU perspective. Both those guys will be at the series this weekend, as will several other people. Alex Day from the weekend uh, rotation podcast will be there, but he was at the Arkansas series as well, so it was very cool to hang out with Alex. I know the guys, uh, Matt Beard and his buddies from the Spitting Seeds 247 account on Twitter will be down there as well. So just a massive contingent of people uh, from the Tennessee and LSU side, a lot of good podcast guys, a lot of guys that followed a ton of college baseball will be in attendance to watch that series. So what are my three keys to the weekend for the Tigers? The first thing, they cannot let whatever they are doing in that other dugout and whatever the crap that Tony Vitello and those guys are doing, whatever gimmicks they are pulling, whatever trash they are talking, they cannot elect that, let that stuff affect their play. They cannot get drawn to any type of those head games, but trust me, Tennessee is going to be up for this series. I'm sure they're going to be hooting and hollering, have a ton of adrenaline flowing, and LSU just can't get pulled into that dugout. They need to focus on what their job is and just don't mess with any of those antics. I'm sure Vitello is going to blow up this weekend. Hell, he may even get injected. You just can't focus on what those jokers are doing, fur coats, canes, any of that junk. Just go out there and handle your business. The second key, I think LSU is going to have to win one, if not two games, and come from behind fashion. And I'm talking late in the game, really in the seventh, eighth, and ninth. And I, I can't really recall LSU having to do that a lot this year off the top of my head. I'm sure there's been one or two instances, but I think some of these games are really going to go down to the wire. You know that Dollander, Burns, and Beam – even though they may have a little bit higher ERAs than you would expect at this time of year, they've given up a few more runs. They still strike out a ton of hitters. They don't really walk anyone. Their walk numbers are very impressive compared to their innings pitched. And look, they are proven elite SEC arms. Luckily, they're all right-handed pitchers. They got some lefties in the bullpen, but none of their starters are left-handed. But their bullpen has some serious dudes down there. They're not like Arkansas where they're very thin in the pin. Kentucky has really five to probably seven guys that they can run out and be very effective. The third key to the weekend, and it seems like this has happened um, almost every weekend, really, in some form or fashion, but I think the bullpen is going to have to step up again. You're definitely going to need little Cooper. Hopefully, Ackenhausen's feeling okay from that little bit of an injury he had during the Arkansas series. And then you've seen the emergence of freshman pitchers, right-handed pitcher Chase Shores, 
And then left-handed pitcher Griffin Herring. They threw great last weekend. They're really starting to build successful SEC outings as they continue to gain experience, being only freshmen in this conference. But mark down Garrett Edwards. He's going to have some type of say in the series, and he's been consistent as all get out. But they're going to need some other help in that bullpen. Shores, Herring, Cooper, Little are going to have to get some key outs, I think, whenever the starters do exit those games. So those are the three keys. Focus on your dugout. Have a come-from-behind win or two, and then the bullpen's going to have to step up again. Okay, who's going to make the get-right-stay-right list? It's a list that's a little bit, little bit longer than it typically is. And I remember, I try to pick different guys every weekend. First of all, get right, Christian Little. I know he started tonight against Grambling State. Looks like he did what he was supposed to do. Two innings pitched, four Ks. But he's really had back-to-back subpar performances when you look at his outings against AM and then Arkansas in the SEC. Hopefully he's worked out any issues that may be bothering him. Look, I don't think he has a lack of confidence. I don't have a lack of confidence in him. I think he's going to be massive in this pin moving forward for the Tigers. And I just love his mentality and his attitude. In the bullpen, I think you have to have an attack mindset. You can't shy away from the situation because they're going to throw you in the fire, expect you to limit the damage, expect you to get out of jams, put up zeros at the end of the game when it's tougher than any other part of the game. And I want to see Christian Little get right this weekend. Also, Jared Jones, he hit on home run against Grambling State. And I'm not sure how much we'll see Jared Jones this weekend. I do think you're going to see him because I think you're going to see more of Cade Beloso than we've seen previously. But Jared Jones facing all right-handed pitching. You know, does he play first base? Does he DH? But Jared Jones, we need you to get right. He's still hitting 333 at the time of this recording on the year with seven, now eight home runs. He does have 14 walks and 32 Ks, and those 32 strikeouts do lead the team. But Jones, in his last seven games before the Grambling State game, he was only six out of his last 20, excuse me, six out of his last 23, which is 261 with six walks and 12 Ks. So Jared Bear Jones, baby, we're going to need you to get right this weekend against the Vols. Then following the get right list, Thatcher Hurd. He was on the list last weekend. It was a miss for me. He had another inconsistent outing versus Arkansas. And to me, I think it's just the walks that are kind of causing some issues. And I think the reason for those walks is he really hasn't had two pitches working at the same time in a couple of different weeks. Look, he's not like Paul Skeens where he can go out there and blow 98 past people. He's going to throw 92 to 95. He's got a great changeup and a great slider. It just doesn't seem like his slider has been in the zone the last two weekends. And I think he really needs that pitch almost more than the others to be very successful. So I look for Thatcher Hurd to bounce back. Yes, I would keep him in the Sunday spot. I do think they're going to keep him in the Sunday spot. They need him to be successful, backing up Skeens and Floyd. I would love to see Thatcher Hurd turn that around against the Vols. And then finally, get right this weekend. So who's on the stay right list? For the Tigers. To me, I think it's all about the veterans. And this isn't going to be any type of surprise. They have some of the best players in the country on this team, and they need to lead from the front now. I think they're going to have to play well for the entire weekend for LSU to win the series. And really, there's not a whole lot I can say about these three guys. But looking at Skeens and Cruz, that's two national players of the week. I think they're going to have to lead from the front. In terms of Skeens, look, just continue to be the man. Be him. Be that dude on a Friday night. Again, well, it's Thursday night this weekend. 
So for skeins, just be yourself. You don't have to do anything more or anything less that you've been doing. Be the guy who is 5-0 with a 0.72 ERA, who has struck out 71 batters in only 37 and a third innings pitch. Be the best pitcher in the country, just like you have been all year. Just do that again on Thursday, Thursday night versus Chase Dollander. That is going to be appointment viewing, an amazing matchup on Thursday night for the whole country to tune in and see. Also, stay right. Dylan Cruz, baby. You lead the country in batting average at 531. He's going to be consistent in some form, whether it's extending at bats, hitting with two strikes, drawing walks to set up Tommy Tanks, hitting Cruz missiles, driving in runs. Cruz will affect the game somehow, and he's always going to have an effect, but you need it for all three games this weekend. And I don't care what it is. I don't care if he draws a two-out walk and then steals a base and then Tanks hits a single. But Dylan Cruz continued to be the best player in the country. Tommy Tanks, he had a bad Friday last weekend against the two lefties for Arkansas. He redeemed himself in a big way on Saturday. I think Tennessee, I don't think their pitchers are going to back down. I think they will attack Cruz when they can. Remember, they have above average stuff. All these guys throw mid to upper 90s. But I wouldn't be surprised if they force Tommy Tanks to beat them. And Tennessee may say, all right, we know you're having a great year, but prove to us, prove to these arms that you can beat us and help Dylan Cruz take some of that burden off of his shoulders. So I look for Tanks to stay right this weekend. He doesn't have to prove himself to anybody. He's already been great. He doesn't have to be more than he already is. Swing harder, hit the balls harder, right? Be more aggressive than he has been. Just stay Tommy Tanks, and I think everything's going to turn all right for the weekend for the Tigers. And then finally, in terms of the stay right list, yep, I'm putting Garrett Edwards, the unsung hero of the pitching staff, the most consistent guy we have in the bullpen this year, the fireman I've been calling him. We need Garrett Edwards to stay right this weekend. And he's going to be called on in a, probably a big way. And he's probably going to have to extend at some point against the Vols. The last two weekends versus AM in Arkansas, Garrett Edwards, eight innings pitched, five hits, only four walks, and 13 Ks. So Garrett Edwards, stay right, baby. So just to go over it once again, get right. Little, Jared Jones, Heard, stay right. All the leaders, Skeens, Cruz, Tanks, and in that bullpen, Garrett Edwards. All right. We heard those guys' series predictions. You got Jeezy going two out of three. You got Big Jim going for the sweep. So what do I feel like here on the 60 feet, 6 inches LSU pod? What is my prediction for the series? And this is, I've circled this. I, I couldn't wait to see this series. When the schedule came out, you saw Arkansas and Tennessee. And from an LSU fan's perspective, those are two great series to attend in person. Two potential, obviously counting LSU, actually three potential Omaha teams when you look at those teams right there. But in terms of a marquee matchup, it doesn't get any better when you're talking about the sport of college baseball. So I'm predicting a sweep for the Tigers, baby. That's right. I'm going out on a little bit of a limb. I've gone kind of conservative two out of three the past two weekends. But we know if you win two out of three in the SEC and you go 20 and 10, I will take that record right now. But this weekend, I felt it coming out of the box last weekend. I thought about it um, Sunday and then again on Monday. I just feel like a sweep is going to happen. So if I catch hell on Twitter or in my mentions or I'm bad luck, whoever wants to call me that, I don't care. I'm riding with my Tigers this weekend versus the Vols. So 
I can't wait for the box. I'm going to be there. It's going to be loud. It's going to be rowdy. Hopefully we see some of the Alec Box magic, the rally possum, whatever it is. I don't care. A national audience is going to be tuned in. You know, all the major college baseball writers are going to be there and it's going to be electric. There's going to be a ton of uh, hatred and venom spewed at Tennessee and their coaching staff. And this is what college baseball and competition is all about. But I'm predicting LSU to sweep. On another side note, this is kind of added, I added this late to my notes. I think Cade Beloso could play a massive role for LSU this weekend. You know, Jay Johnson's talked about him getting more at bats. He hits another home run against Grambling State. So I look for Beloso, especially against those right handed. Um, starters, whether he plays first or DHs, Creole Bambino, I would love to see him kind of assert himself as a senior leader this weekend versus the Vols. So that's going to do it for this week's review, brief review of the LSU Grand Lake State game, and then the preview of the Tennessee series this weekend. I want to thank Jim and Randy from the In Off the Bench podcast for joining me and helping me preview the Tennessee series. Look, guys, if you don't follow them on Twitter or you haven't found their podcast yet, it is a great podcast, and I will tag their accounts on the on my Twitter account whenever I post links to this podcast. They do a great job of putting out a bunch of content, but really good content as they take a look behind the scenes, and they get these athletes, whether it's baseball, softball, soccer, um, from different SEC schools and different schools around the country. You know, LSU, Ole Miss, Arkansas, uh, Mississippi State, Tennessee, uh, Wake Forest. Stanford, whoever it may be, they reach out to these kids. They get them to let their guard down. They figure out what their backstory is. How did they end up at their school they're at? And obviously, they help them promote their brands with NIL. They even help them get NIL deals. And I think the In Off the Bench podcast, those guys do a great job. And it's really just something different than I offer here at 60 Feet, 6 Inches. So please go check that stuff out. And look, these guys watch a ton of college baseball. They're not just fans. They don't just pull for their school. They have a lot of great relationships with these kids. They get a lot of kind of inside information. Uh, they know their parents very well, and they just become friends with these kids over time. And um, they just do a really good job over there. And these guys are two very cool guys, and I've had the pleasure to meet them and can't, look, can't wait to hang out with them this weekend at the box. So thank you all for tuning in. Make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel as always. Follow me on the Twitter account. Interact with me. As uh, there's going to be some crazy stuff going on at the box, and I'll be live tweeting as always. Don't forget, check out the podcast on all the major audio platforms. Next up, the Tennessee Review Podcast. So, no travel plans this weekend for me. Um, plus, there's Sunday off. So, the goal is to try to go live with an instant analysis late Sunday afternoon in that 5, 5.30 time frame which you feel like works out best. But stay tuned to the Twitter account for additional details as we hope to stream that, stream that live on the YouTube channel and Twitter as well. Don't forget, I'm also trying to put out some more content on YouTube with shorts. So I'm going to try to stay consistent with that. So if you have a chance, check those out. But until next time, let's go Tigers. Let's get that sweep. Y'all stay safe. And as always, go Tigers. <laughs>